Consumer demands disruptive technologies and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. We hope that these stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Please welcome your host, Alan Tam, Chief Marketing Officer at Actium Health. Hello, healthcare. It's Chris Barlow with Barlow McCarthy. I'm reaching out to all the physician strategy professionals today to make sure you've registered for HMPS in Austin. April will be here before you know it. And with all the market changes, the opportunity to hear from your colleagues and experts can be a real difference maker for fine-tuning your program and your approach. Register if you haven't, and I hope to see you there. Hello, healthcare. In today's episode, I'm really excited to be talking about Data-driven marketing is actually one of my favorite topics. Now, data-driven marketing, it's not a new concept. In fact, it's been around for the past few decades. Now, for healthcare marketers, data-driven marketing is the lifeblood to the continuation and the success of their initiatives, their programs, and their campaigns. From brand awareness to patient acquisition and patient retention, data helps marketers better understand optimization. It helps them better understand their attribution. And ultimately, it helps them deliver ROI as well as top-line revenue growth. Today, I'm excited to have uh, Andy Chang, VP of Marketing from Summit Health, join us. Andy, welcome to Hello Healthcare. Thanks for having me. So, Andy, you have the envious position of uh, straddling two brands at Summit Health, both Summit itself as well as CityMD. How do you leverage data-driven marketing to drive and measure the success of those two brands? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a lot of challenges that are definitely not unique, but at the same time, it makes the job a lot more interesting and fun. With CityMD, it's a urgent care practice with over 160 locations. And the urgent care business is more transactional. You walk in, no appointment. You walk in when you need uh you know, something looked at or or some COVID test. And then Summit Health is more relationship-driven. It's mm-hmm. your traditional physician practice group to ambulatory care. And it's a very different mindset between urgent care. And so while the, the data is actually all in the same place now with our EHR Athena and our CDP, the behavior is very different. And trying to marry the two is always a challenge especially when we're trying to promote one brand to the other. But at the same time, we have the blessing of being in healthcare, of having that patient data, our own patient data in-house, and we can manipulate it and use it to our liking. It's a fun challenge for us to have, but it is definitely not easy. So besides those two brands, what are some other key challenges that you and your team are facing in terms of measuring outcome and successes? Absolutely. A ton of challenges. So we have CityMD, again, like I said, is a mm-hmm. transactional-based business. Yeah. No appointments needed. So how do you attribute a person who sees a campaign or an ad or yeah. what have you and walks in versus Summit Health where you have to make an appointment, you got a call, you can't just walk into your OBGYN or what have you. And EHR, you have follow-ups maybe that you book directly in the office. And so again, very different behaviors, but what we've done is enable tracking uh, with third-party data and our own first-party data to connect the dots mm-hmm. from an attribution model standpoint. And so for CityMD, we use geolocation data, where if someone interacts with an ad, or if this device interacts with an ad, or even an outdoor billboard, and right. that same device ends up in our CityMD location, we have that compared to a control group of those people that also saw the ad but didn't 
come to a city MD. And then I get another control group for those that even didn't see the ad at all. So we can see what the incremental lift is. And then from the summit side, same thing, we, we A-B test and do test and control groups all over the place to see what the incremental lift is from an appointment tracking standpoint. And so we have phone tracking and we have pixels. We have campaign management tools that, again, track the first click to last touch all the way through. And again, compare it to the control group and see what the incremental lift is. And that's how we figure out roughly what the marketing credit should be and how we measure our revenue. That's amazing. I think that's definitely a very bleeding edge. I mean, and what led to you guys exploring that? Are you borrowing from other industries? What yeah, kind of led yeah. you to kind of that approach? Uh, definitely borrowing. I used to work outside of healthcare. And these are the tactics that we used 10 years ago. Yeah. And everyone always says healthcare is 10 years behind. It really is at least 10 years behind. Mm-hmm. And these are the things, again, that was just commonplace when I was in other industries. And so, you know, everyone, a lot of vendors, interestingly enough, are actually afraid to work with us because of the HIPAA concerns and the liability. Mm-hmm. So you just have to keep on digging and keep on pushing and keep on finding the right balance between a third-party tracking company that will be able to share some data that they are legally and also compliance-wise uh, comfortable sharing with, and same for us. And so so that part, we're kind of pushing the envelope a lot. But in terms of the overall uh, tracking attributes uh, and tracking methodology, that's we're definitely borrowing from previous experiences. Right. That's awesome. So... It's interesting what you said about HIPAA and how mm-hmm. vendors are a little bit uh, hesitant to work with you on that yeah. front. That's always been something that's brought up when yeah. we're talking about technology and healthcare and communicating with patients. Do you see that more as a true challenge that needs to be overcome or is it more of an excuse? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great question. Well, I think in reality it's a challenge, but I tell the vendors it's an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> they are rightfully protective of their IP. And coming into a highly regulated, highly scrutinized industry like healthcare probably scares people away, mm-hmm. which I totally understand and get. But I think with time, especially in the last five years, maybe even less than that, more and more of these companies that used to say no to us are now saying yes. Right. And they're seeing the growth opportunity that there is. And we're the largest industry in the world, if not yeah. the country. But the marketing, again, is so behind that these companies are now seeing the opportunity come. And yeah. so now they're trying to right-size their internal processes and compliance and, and legal and all that stuff to see how we, they can work with healthcare. Right. And so we're seeing more and more of that now. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. I, I really love what I'm hearing from you. And it's just a podcast like this really helps others identify and understand what their peers are doing kind of across the country. And hopefully mm-hmm. this will inspire them to either reach out to you and to learn more about what they can do to improve yeah. their, their data. Yeah, I hope so. So what type of KPIs do you guys use yeah. to measure the impact of your work as, as well as your efforts? Yeah. We got five main KPIs mm-hmm. and we set quarterly goals against them. Number one is revenue, marketing credit, attributable revenue. Number two is return on ad spend, mm-hmm. ROAS. Number three is uh, what we call the close ratio, uh, which is for our physician outreach team. Mm-hmm. How many physicians did you visit that started sending us new referrals, mm-hmm. which is now going to be converted into new referrals because now we just started tracking that. Number four is Romy, return on marketing investment. And then number five is cost per acquisition, um, especially for like the primary care business. You want to fill that funnel of primary care patients as much as possible, and you want to do it the cheapest and most efficient way possible, so you've got to mm-hmm. keep that metric as well. How did you guys uh, identify these five? Why are these the top 
five KPIs for you guys? My standpoint from a, a marketing person is always marketing should be in charge of driving the revenue, driving the patients, creating mm-hmm. the customer. And traditionally in healthcare, that's not really what marketing is perceived as. And so by having these metrics, you are and sharing these metrics and reporting out these metrics to our leadership team helps change that perception that, hey, marketing isn't just a group of people that makes cool brochures or billboards or whatever you, what have you. We actually exist to drive revenue. So my whole stance is I'm going to prove it to you. All of it's incremental and turn on ad spend or any kind of ROI metric is always incremental based. And we show how we got there and what the trends are, whether it's good or bad, what channels, what campaigns are doing well. And we And I make my team report that out on a monthly basis, even if they hate it. It's what our job is. It's returning an investment that the company has trusted us with. So were these KPIs initially driven by you or your finance partner or was that a collaboration? It was mostly driven by me and my boss because finance doesn't really know what marketing is. And I don't know what finance does. They they handle money in a very smart way. And I'm terrible at that. So it was basically me and my boss coming together. It's like, all right, how do we change Number one, the perception, and two, really just make it clear what our role should be and what our role is. And those are the metrics that we settled on, and my boss presented it to the board, and everyone was like, that's cool, let's, let's go. That's awesome. You're totally singing my song. And one of the key themes, I think, in the past couple of years that we've been trying to encourage and to communicate out to the industry is that marketing should be viewed as a revenue generator versus a cost center. Exactly. And if you're not achieving that, you're doing something wrong. So. Right. I think these insights, these five KPIs that you shared, hopefully helps the listeners and our audience better understand yeah. uh, some of the KPIs that they can start gravitating towards. And, yeah, and, and uh, my whole thing, when I used to work for Piedmont Healthcare in Atlanta, or for any of your non-profit healthcare system listeners, you're taking money from your patients and your community. Yeah. In many cases, you're causing financial distress on your patients because of the surgeries or the treatments that they're going through. And... You know, if you're not putting good use and being a good steward of the money uh, that these patients are paying you, then why do you exist? And so that's kind of been my whole driving force uh, from a nonprofit standpoint. Now we'll work for a for-profit. It's a lot easier to sell the return on investment story and message, and they get it, especially with a private equity-backed group, and they speak that language. So That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, good for you. Hi, I'm Dalal Holderman, CEO of Holderman Marketing. I'll be speaking at the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit in April in Austin, Texas. What I enjoy the most at the summit, beyond the learning and seeing colleagues, are the special interactive and off-the-record sessions. Please join me at one on April 17, where three innovative colleagues will share and discuss how they are building and assembling the best and brightest teams. One of the things that I take a look at from a healthcare marketing perspective Mm -hmm. is you have your brand awareness and kind of brand campaigns. The -hmm. other thing that you guys are focused on typically is driving patient volume. And there's really two approaches to that, I think. One is new patient acquisition, and the other one is activating your existing patient base. So do these KPIs change for you between new patient acquisition versus targeting your existing patients? Yeah, it does change very slightly. For the retention metric, we do have a retention metric, but... The KPIs, the goals itself does change based on new versus existing. It's a lot costlier to get a new patient than to keep a patient, right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore, it's not cool to have the same return on ad spend 
uh, expectation or cost per acquisition metric for a new versus existing customer. Yeah. So a CPA for retention is obviously, or cost to keep is a lot lower than our CPA for a new patient. So the goals really don't change that much. It's uh, from a, a name standpoint, it's really more the goals itself. And basically, we track it very closely. And it is still tough to nail down what the number should be because yeah. when I ask the peers in healthcare, hey, what's your ROAS or what's your ROMI? Uh, a lot of times they don't have one. And so we're just trying to figure out like a, what should the baseline be and what is good, what is bad. And so we actually borrow from retail and try to set a goal of four, a four to one ratio for mm-hmm. our ROMI and ROAS. And yeah, the numbers definitely change. So today, not a lot of health systems actually focus on the retention piece. They don't. Which is interesting to me because it's like very you said, interesting. it's so much more costly yeah. to acquire a new patient. Why is that? Why aren't they choosing the cheaper route? I mean, if I knew the answer. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about you know, the traditional marketing funnel, right? So yeah. you have awareness, consideration, you know, purchase, loyalty, what have you, or however many steps of the funnel you define it as. And if you look at a new patient, you got to start from the top, awareness, which is the most expensive marketing cost, right? And then you have consideration, which is, again, you're, you're pouring a lot of money into trying to do retargeting or other ads, or you don't have emails yet, per se, because it's not a patient of yours. Yeah. And you spend a lot of money trying to get someone to even just consider you. Retention, you have their data, you have their information, they've given you hopefully, the agreement that you can start marketing or sending emails to them. And on top of that, it's 90% plus of your patient base already. And so I'd rather focus on the 90% and making sure that the retention is as good as it can be versus Mm -hmm. trying to focus and spend a lot of time and money on the 10%. Now, the 10% or less than 10% for the new patient acquisition part is, sure, it's you know, sexier, it's more fun, you get to do the creative stuff and the ads. But really, when it comes down to the dollars and cents of it and and an investment standpoint, retention makes more money per dollar. And I don't know why health systems don't realize that, to be honest with you. And, you know, they always say they're data-driven marketers. And if you're really data-driven, then you should be looking at your retention numbers and what percentage of your patient base is new versus existing to hit your goals. And, uh, you know, and the numbers that I've seen in different health systems, 90% of your primary care patients are usually existing. And so why are we trying to get after that, grow that 10% when you have all the data you need to try to keep that 90%? Right. Let's help your peers out. I mean, what are yeah. some, what are some uh, key differences in kind of strategies and tactics for retention versus acquisition? What can they borrow from acquisition for retention and how can they start down that path? Yeah, well... Kind of like I said earlier, the the funnel, right? So you don't have to spend any money on awareness for your existing patients. I hope not. And you don't have to spend too much in consideration as long as your website and reviews and Mm -hmm. uh, find a doc, all that is updated. Mm -hmm. Um, But from no, so I would say it's the opposite. Like making the tools, making the experience of the patient as as seamless as possible Mm -hmm. makes it easier to acquire new patients instead of just focusing on the retention aspect. Because anything above that point you are trying to get as much attention to someone who happens to be in the market of looking for a primary care or urgent care. And you can't control that state of mind or that emotion when people want to find a new doctor. You know, retention rates are historically across the board pretty, actually pretty good for a primary care doc. Like the last time you switched primary care docs, I don't know, Alan, do you see a primary care doctor? Yes, I do. When, I, how long have you been seeing this doctor? Uh, I would say at least... 
four or five years. Four or five years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been seeing mines for 15. Okay. And even when I worked for a competing health system, yeah. I still went to him. I didn't want to change. And so it tends to be the behavior. The be- that tends to be the norm. People don't right. just switch PCPs every year. So it is a lot harder to get a new patient for a PCP than right. it is to retain. But at the same time, the, the tactics that you can borrow off of each other is really more about the experience of yeah. booking and post-visit and the web experience and the bill experience. Yeah. So as long as you have a very good experience, I think there's just a lot that you can just borrow off of each other. So what are some specific efforts that you guys have underway on the retain, on the retention side that yeah. you really see taking off and, and working? Yeah, so we just launched a CDP with Salesforce and uh, also launched the personalization tool. So we've linked the two and it's live now. And so what we're doing is our main FY23 strategy that our CMO has declared is making the most use out of CDP as possible. And the way you do that is building segments, identifying your prioritized segments. And so if you have a retention goal, which are the segments that you can identify and prioritize and mm-hmm. that have the highest value? And what is the targeting that going to be? What is the positioning going to be to that segment? And then what is the go-to-market strategy going to be for that segment? Mm-hmm. And so heavily digital-based, and then how do we personalize their experience whenever they come to our location or our website or app? How do we make it more of an omni-channel experience to make sure that they are, again, dealing with us in a seamless way as much as possible? And all of that's going to be centered around our CDP. Awesome. I love the fact that you guys are using that data to target the audiences, yeah. right? It helps you fulfill that promise of right message to the right patient exactly. at the right time. What are some additional challenges that you're anticipating or you're seeing in terms of reaching these existing patients? Man, okay. So, (laughs) of course, nothing's ever as smooth as you want it to go. We, surprisingly, thanks to our partners in IT and finance and other partners outside the company, the data integration with our EHR was actually pretty smooth, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And so that would not be the biggest challenge. It would honestly be trying to identify the use cases and enhancements that we want to make as part of our tool. So how deep and how broad do we want to go with a a really powerful tool like CDP and Mm -hmm. and our personalization tool, tool, Interaction Studio, because there's just a limitless number of combinations that you can do now that everything is centralized. And so the challenge for my team is how do we prioritize those segments? The second thing is the attribution aspect of it. Healthcare is, of course, like we just talked about, notorious for being a little behind. And it's always, sometimes, never, no, always. It's always a, an uphill battle uh-huh. to get the right tagging in place yeah. and the right tracking in place, especially yeah. on areas where there might be PHI. And so we do have some gaps in our attribution model that we do small sampling of and of course, it's all anonymized, but small sampling of and try to figure out how we can fill, fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. But making our attribution model more and more accurate yeah. is another big challenge. And attributing that back to our CDP, right. that, is, that is kind of our next big challenge. And, and on top of that, hopefully building a marketing mix model so we could refine tactics and channels and campaigns. Those are the two that I see in the horizon. No, those are definitely two very sound strategies. I do want to, you know, the the concept of CDP and integrating with your EHR, very inspiring. I've also had the 
opportunity to actually talk with a lot of health systems where they're having trouble, healthcare marketers are having trouble leveraging first-party data and yeah. leveraging, oh, you can't have access to HR data, PHI, HIPAA, et cetera. What would be your recommendation to your peers who are in those environments of, look, it's where we need to be able to leverage that data to yeah. personalize and our communications, to reach out to the right segments? Yeah, yeah. my recommendation is to quit. Just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, no, that's a very commonplace thing. <laughs> it is commonplace. And it's part of the perception issue that we have as marketers. Like, whoa, whoa, why do you need patient data? Yeah. And so it's all about having a conversation with IT folks, the compliance folks, the legal folks, and here's the use cases. You tell us what the guidelines are, and let's talk through it. And here are all these other health systems that are doing the exact same thing as right. what we want to do. Yeah. And it becomes a negotiation. And so part of our negotiation at Summit Health and CMD was all the people that touch patient data and marketing has to take a compliance course. Mm-hmm. No problem. I mean, we should anyways. And then the second thing is, you know, another best practice was having all data requests go through a data governance committee so that everything that we do is above the line and and it's transparent. And so that they learn that they can actually trust us with the data. We're going to handle it responsibly. The last thing a marketer wants to do is honestly lose the trust of our customer or of our patient. And so there's always just negotiations that's going to have to happen, but you got to demonstrate willingness to be just as protective of patient data and, and talk about how you're going to use it, be very clear and keep them apprised and aligned the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we've done it a couple times now, but it always ends up being in a good way, like a much better working relationship with IT, with our BI team, with our with our compliance team, with our legal team. And, and we know where the hard lines are that we just will never cross. So based on what you've shared with me, I'd, I'd love to be a patient of uh, Summit Health. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have you. How are you measuring kind of that, that patient experience? What, yeah. what type of metric are you using there to yeah. gauge your... Uh, one thing I love about this company, one of the many things I love about this company, but they are very obsessed about NPS. And so we actually do a lot of NPS surveys. And it's actually part of the Dr. Comp model as well. And so we have a whole report in our BI dashboards all about NPS, where you can filter it down to the date, location, the doctor, type of procedure, all of these types of things. And for any of our CityMD locations, mm-hmm. and then we actually look at that on a very, very regular basis as a whole team, yeah. uh, not just marketing team, but as the leadership team, mm-hmm. and then try to figure out how do we improve the NPS course, and how do we focus on getting more surveys out when we need to, or how do we figure out, like, hey, this group here, came during a very, very busy period to our city MDs. Yeah. So what message can we send out to them so to make sure that they come back right. and make sure that they're aware that this is a good place to come back to. This right. we've we figured it out yeah. or we're sorry for your past experience, et cetera. We're pretty obsessed about NPS. Great. How long have you guys uh, been using NPS for to measure that? Oh, before my time. So at least two years, I, mm-hmm. or at least three years, at mm-hmm. least. I can't give you the exact answer, but it's been many years. Have you been able to see the improvement of the NPS score since you've, you've been there, like a percentage improvement? Our NPS has definitely improved quite a bit. I will say that. And we actually do a survey asking NPS scores against our competitors as well. And our numbers are always consistently high. However, I can't take any real credit for that because I don't have direct uh, oversight of the experience of the patient. Our yeah. ops team does, and they do an amazing job. Yeah. And they, I mean, I'm serious. They really, really look at those numbers every day. It's, I'm 
very impressed by the, how they are and really attuned to the customer's feelings and, and expectations and perception. Right. But you are a part of that attribution. Right. Yeah. It may not be a significant part, but at least a little part. Claim Maybe a little, a little part. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. I mean, we, we do build segments based off of the NPS course. Right. And we do target people that we, again, did not have the best experience. And so, sure, in that sense, okay. Right. No, I, I, I really like that approach, right? Especially most people, especially most healthcare would probably shy away from that. But for you guys tackling head-on, I think that's making lemonade out of lemons, right? And it's a great opportunity for you oh, yeah. to... To deliver and to Absolutely. raise that score. Absolutely. So, what's next? What's next for your patient initiative, patient yeah. retention initiative? Patient retention initiatives. Well, we're going to get very granular mm-hmm. and we're partnering with our implementation partners and also our data science team mm-hmm. to start building more and more complex models using machine learning mm-hmm. to try to create lookalike models and also maybe patient cohorts of the type of patient that we're trying to prioritize from a profit, lifetime value, or mm-hmm. other strategic plan goal standpoint. And so that's the next challenge. We have CDP. How do we link it directly into a machine machine learning tool mm-hmm. and get a lot more complex as opposed to trying to brainstorm ideas of segments right now? So that's really fun to me, being able to use tools like that. And I don't know how many healthcare systems are doing this today, but it's something that we're, we're pretty dead set on and moving forward with. That's very impressive. What's kind of led you to this particular step in terms of, oh, let's take a look at using machine learning yeah. to develop these models. Yeah, we are a, you know, you have the crawl, walk, run approach. Uh-huh. Um, and I've always said that we started with tummy time. Like we're just <laughs> trying to figure out how to roll over. Yeah. <laughs> we're probably at a light jog. If mm-hmm. we want to go to a full sprint, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so we actually have this roadmap that we've planned out. What does a sprint look like? It's, yeah. usi- it's using AI, it's using ML, mm-hmm. it's launching and using our CDP to the maximum capability. It's, yeah. it's basically, we bought a Ferrari, it's time to take it on the track and, and become experts at it. Yeah. And so again, what does that look like? Here's what that looks like, and here's mm-hmm. what we're driving to, and that's how we determine what's next. So part of the challenge, I think, especially in healthcare, is like getting everyone else on board. So yeah. who, who are the other? Who are your partners in this initiative? Yeah, that we have a lot with? of partners. So we did a, a pretty big roadshow internally okay. when we were talking about CDP, and so it was finance. It was our chief operating officers, our chief data science officer, our chief product officer, our CEO, and then a CIO and the VPs underneath them. We spent a lot of time honestly, educating them on why we need a CDP, uh-huh. at least for marketing, if not for the enterprise. And just got buy-in, uh, answered all their questions as much as we could and to make them feel good and comfortable. Yeah. We had a business case laid out that showed a pretty good return within a short time period, which I had finance vet with mm-hmm. me yeah. so that I could uh, make sure that my numbers were reasonable, if yeah. not conservative. And that's how we approach it normally is, is just getting people on board first and making sure they know what we're doing. Because especially from the data standpoint, you know, it involves a lot of data. And so yeah. just continuing that transparency approach. No, I think that's a fantastic approach. And you know, kudos to you to be able to pull together all those uh, support and champions. Yeah, your now, now i got to deliver on the yeah. results. We'll the easy see. piece. <laughs> <laughs> Done, exactly. <laughs> hey, Andrew, um, I want to say thank you so much for coming in today and yeah. talking with I'm us. Happy to be uh, here. Yeah, about uh, data-driven marketing. If people want to continue this conversation and learn more from you and all the innovative things that you're doing, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. 
there's many ways. So I will say LinkedIn, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not the I'm not the most active person on LinkedIn, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. LinkedIn. And then that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to give up my phone number <laughs> sure. or an email address. Uh, right. But uh, or they can ask you. Sure. <laughs> you can be um, the guy with the answers. Or they can come to conferences. What are some of the conferences that you attend that they can come and meet you? And- yeah, two conferences I usually go to, HCIC and HMPS. Wonderful. And then Dreamforce, or uh, we're a big Salesforce shop. So we'll be at the Salesforce conferences, okay. and we usually speak there. And, you know, concerts, I'll be performing. You can see me perform there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could see me just around. around. Wonderful. I'm, I'm pretty accessible, though. I'm okay. always happy to help. I, I really do believe in making sure that the marketing function in healthcare moves forward in a more faster pace. Thank you very much again, Andy, yeah. for, for your time. And until next time, hello. Thanks again for tuning in to Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe on hellohealthcare.com. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello. Hello.